Hi, welcome to Documenting History and happy Black History Month. Woohoo! Yeah, very exciting. As we're nearing the end of February, which is Black History Month, we thought that we would do a little special podcast to celebrate Black excellence and resilience. I know I don't know too much about the beginnings of Black History Month. It's just always been there for me. So we're going to talk a little bit about how it was created and why and how it's evolved into the Black History Month that we see today. And then talk about modern Black figures and what they're doing for the world and just celebrate Black people in this podcast. Yeah. So Black History Month is an annual celebration in February that recognizes and honors African-Americans and their role in U.S. history. Originally, the event was called Negro History Week, but in 1976, it was expanded to a month and renamed. Other countries such as Canada and the UK also have a Black History Month, but I'm not sure if it's during February or not. So the creation of Negro History Week can really be attributed to a man named Carter G. Woodson, who felt that African-American achievements deserve to be highlighted and celebrated more than they already were. Fully agree. Yeah. In college, Woodson and his college fraternity had created a Negro History and Literature Week, but he wanted the celebration to be bigger. So a couple of years once he was out of college in 1926, he founded an organization called the Study of African-American Life and History, which sponsored a national Negro History Week. Um, he chose the second week of February to coincide with the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln, who obviously is a pretty important figure in the Emancipation Pro Proclamation and Liberation of Black Slaves, and Frederick Douglass. So for our listeners who don't know who Frederick Douglass is, he was an escaped slave who became an activist, author, and public speaker, as well as a leader in the abolitionist movement and an activist for women's rights. So this Negro Week that the ASALH created uh, prompted schools in the area and communities to organize celebrations. And in the decades that followed, uh, mayors of cities across the country began to also recognize this week, uh, leading to the 1960s, of course, in tandem with the civil rights movement, when Negro History Week had become pretty well known and recognized on many college campuses and within many cities. Uh, this kind of Negro History Week was consolidated in 1976 when President Gerald Ford officially recognized it as Black History Month in order to honor the neglected accomplishments of Black Americans. Since that year, every president has designated February as Black History Month and has also endorsed a specific theme for each year. And this year's theme, if you don't know, was called the Black Family, Representation, Identity, and Diversity. And it explored the spread of Black families across the United States. Wow, I never knew about the themes. That's really interesting. I always thought yeah. it was about the civil rights movement. Wow. Oh, educational podcast today. <laughs> I was interested to think that it was really just like one person that managed to kind of because obviously there were like celebrations before because we have holidays like Juneteenth we have various people's birthdays it's crazy that what really started as kind of like something that a college fraternity was doing really just um, expanded throughout the country and then became a national holiday so yeah it just shows the power that youth have and the influence that they have on society it's like not just the president who can do crazy things like of course the president signed it into um, office that February will be Black History Month but the president didn't think of that didn't create that didn't get support behind that or 
probably do anything really related to it other than signing his name. <laughs> and so this next section, we kind of want to talk about some modern Black figures and show the different things that they're doing in their life to help the lives of Black people and just help educate Americans or the world in general. So the first person I wanted to talk about was Angie Thomas, who's the author of the worldwide sensation, The Hate You Give, which she published in 2017, and its big theme is police brutality. Angie Thomas, through all of her books, kind of incorporates these really hard themes into a really like readable and, and digestible platform. And so uh, the Hate You Give folks on police brutality. And then in 2019, she released On the Come Up, which deals with a teenage girl who wants to become a hip hop artist. And it kind of focuses on the music industry. And I mean, we, <laughs> a very racist industry. So it kind of focuses on that. And then in 2021, she released her newest book, which is in the same universe as The Hate You Give. And it's called Concrete Rose. And it kind of focuses on gangs and leaving gangs and the difficulty in the whole gang culture. And I would say all three of those are very big topics. And she's able to have success through that and educate millions of people. Um, the Hate You Give was even turned into a movie in 2018, which you can find on Hulu. Find it there, watch it, a good movie. And it earned $34 million in the box office, which... I would say it's a success. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm not a film buff, but I would uh -huh. say $34 million is no small feat. And you read the book, right? Yeah. I'm looking at it on my shelf. Did I you also watch the movie? No, you didn't. <laughs> um, I know that it stars Amanda Stenberg and that there is a specific, like the movie does a really good job of showcasing how implicitly racist dialogue works like there's this one scene where they're talking I think the main character is talking about how someone was targeted because the police officer thought they had a gun that was really a hairbrush and one mm -hmm. of the white girls was like well um it looked like they thought it looked like a gun and they had a reasonable suspicion so it's like yeah I don't know where that was going oh no that's good it and it also like I mean it's big like overarching thing is police brutality and fighting that and giving awareness to that but there's also just like um other things going on in the book like the main character star is um has a white boyfriend and so it kind of talks a little about like a little bit about interracial relationships and how those are perceived normally we kind of see in the media of like the white family being mad at their child for having a black um spouse but in this movie we see the black family's reaction to having a white um, boyfriend. And it's just kind of a new narrative that you don't really see in the media because not too many black people are given the platform to show that side. And then it also has um, the father and a lot of the characters in the books are in gangs. And so you kind of get a little bit of that culture. And I mean, not in a positive light, <laughs> but kind of just learning about like why how gangs work, why people will join a gang, and how difficult it can be to leave it, the strain that has on a person's life. Yeah. Uh, in my English class, we read a similar book by M.K. Asante called Buck, which is really about kind of like his journey in 
really just escaping the uh, school to prison pipeline, which is essentially what it was, because obviously, like, he had a he had a deadbeat dad. His mother had mental issues. His sister was in like a psych ward. His life was clear. He was clearly the like the token person to be trapped in the cycle of poverty. And so the book really explored how he escaped that and eventually found something that he was really passionate about, which was writing. Yeah, and he, um, MK Asante also has music, which is another um, big platform of spreading awareness because it's just like books, it's digestible, even probably more so. You can play it in the car, three minutes, you can learn a new story, a new aspect of life. And that's kind of what I want to focus on next. Um, in my history class right now, we're just starting up these research papers and I want to learn more about country music, which as we know, is just a very white genre. Think about it, probably think like Blake Shelton or Tim McGraw. <laughs> if you're at more into the genre, maybe Garth Brooks, but still white. And so um, I just wanted to share a little bit about the recent success and um, changes that are in the genre, mainly through this black female country artist named Mickey Guyton, who has just taken the genre by storm right now. Especially with her song, Black Like Me, which in the Grammys right now, she is the first black woman to be nominated in any country category ever, which is just crazy. But what I think is even more crazy is that she was nominated for a song about being black. So it's not like she is just kind of a black woman singing the same songs as everyone else. Like this is a song about being black. And I have the chorus here, but it's, so it goes, it's a hard life on easy street, just white painted picket fences far as you can see. If you think we live in the land of the free, you should try to be black like me, which, you know, isn't really a message you hear a lot of in a lot of country songs, which yeah. I mean, makes sense. It'd be kind of weird if a white person, especially a white man, was talking about how hard it is to be black, you know, might be yeah. a little guided, but it's just, well, I mean, it's crazy that she's the first, but I'm hoping that her success will create a new lineage of black women who are able to express these ideas and ha still have a platform. And hopefully she'll win it in the Grammys next month. But if she doesn't, I think that her presence in that lineup of nominations will hopefully just continue her career and create the careers of many more Black women who are unheard right now in the genre. Yeah. Well, something that I don't think most people realize about country and also rap is that the genre does have like that space for nuance because obviously they both have stereotypes. Rap is like drugs, money, gangs, but like what what was the artist's name again? Mickey Guyton. Mickey Guyton and a prominent example that I can think of in the rap industry being Kendrick Lamar are both black artists who are like exploring that nuance and who are like translating their experiences into their lyrics. And I think that's super important. Yeah. And then bringing it back to the college student who, I mean, started Black History Month, it, I mean, there's so much work done by youth these days. We've seen youth groups um, organize Black Lives Matter protests, and even Amanda Gorman, who we talked about in our inauguration podcast a couple episodes ago, <laughs> um, who spoke at the inauguration of President Biden and Vice President 
Kamala Harris, these youth activists, youth figures, they're impactful, they're making change and inspiring millions of people. I mean, just on Facebook, every day I see new art about Amanda Gorman. Every day I see new art of her or new people finding about finding out about other poems she's made, other poems she's written and quoting them and using them. And she's just become this figure um, that's spearheading this movement of youth activism. And I mean, she's a good poet, so it's very deserving. And it's just amazing to see. One other thing that I found really interesting is most of the people that we've talked about in this podcast have been women, which is a very stark contrast to the figures we think of in the civil rights movement, which, I mean, the first people I think of are Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr., which makes sense as they were kind of the two biggest figures. But the reason they were the biggest figures is is because the movement wouldn't have been as successful if women were the leaders based on the time that it was in, because people had... I mean, I don't know if women have had too much more respect. I think that women do lead in the civil rights movement, but I don't think that they're always necessarily given the um, the credit they deserve. And so it just goes to show that like anyone can be an activist. It and it's not always it doesn't always have to be men that are taking the charge of things and that are being bold. And in many cases, it isn't. Yeah, like I think what I was trying to get to is that the black women who were in the civil rights movement, they could do their work, do their things. But when it became to whose picture was getting published, it would be MLK or Malcolm X because they needed that strong man figure to kind of show that this is a movement worth fighting for and they're strong and they're gonna do something. Where now, I mean, you can put a painting of Kamala Harris or Amanda Gorman or Angie Thomas and the movement's still strong. We don't have to, people can get credit where credit's due, which is amazing. I mean, we see all the women that we talked about today, but even the Black Lives Matter movement was started by three women, Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, and Opal Tometi. And I think that's probably the biggest like movement we have right now towards Black rights. I mean, it's called Black Lives Matter. <laughs> and it's women-led and women-founded and that's amazing and I don't know if something like that could have gotten so much traction if it was in the civil rights movement. Well I think that I'm just really grateful that we have a space and a month for us to display Black excellence and also that the Black Lives Matter movement and the civil rights movement is not gonna be something that is ever going to go away or that is going to die. I th- I'm honestly pretty proud of this country in terms of the progress we've made despite what is left to be done. But I'm very grateful that people are getting the credit that they deserve and that people are getting the recognition that they deserve. Of course, with Black History Month, we see the best and the worst of what happens. Like we see Black excellence, but we also see major pushback. Like two examples that I can think of are 
in black during black history month this country star named morgan wallen was called out for saying the n-word and it became kind of a trend on TikTok for white people to defend him and also say the n-word and then the second thing was there was just this kind of like wave of people claiming that black women were the most racist of all people and so obviously with any like in the world that we live in with any kind of thing that is going to be proactive for like the enrichment or the history of one type of people there is going to be some kind of pushback towards that but i'm glad that at least like the dialogue has has opened in a wider sphere so like at least most people can agree that we do need a month to celebrate black excellence and black resilience yes and to all the people listening if you're a youth think about like you could be the next person to start Black History Month, well, you wouldn't start it. You could start something else. Or you could be the next Amanda Gorman, write, like, writing and performing poems at the, a presidential inauguration or just doing something unthinkable. That could be you. Just, you can start the next movement. Hopefully, you know, we don't have to start too many movements to solve things, but knowing our country, <laughs> much more work is needed. And it's a kind of an all hands on deck sort of thing. So find local organizations that you can join. I mean, you can always start your own, but sometimes it's better just to start to join an established group because they already have the connections. They already have some sort of team. And you could, I mean, even being a, a part of the team is helping. You don't have to be the leader of everything. Yes. Just and being one body is great. Precisely. And one thing I'll add is that Activism doesn't necessarily always mean like talking to your representatives or going to a protest. Like I would even argue that what we talked about earlier about poetry, about music, that is a form of activism because that is spreading awareness about the black cause. And for the youth out there that may be listening, if you're really passionate about something and that can be like translated into a way of activism, like go for it, absolutely. If poetry is what you love, do that. If writing is what you love, do that. If speaking is what you love, do that. So activism really just has no bounds. Yes, and it can be big or small. You can go organize or help organize a Black Lives Matter protest, or you could just start a group at your school like I know I'm the leader of our school's BSU. I mean, you could try to start a black student union at your school and create space for black students. Even if there's just two of you at your campus, you know, it's a space to meet and talk and deal with issues. You can work on incorporating black literature into your school um, curriculum. Just a small change is a change nonetheless. Anything you can do is good and helpful, or even just reading a book, reading The Hate You Give, reading Buck, reading anything. <laughs> yeah. You just try to get learn as many experiences as possible, or just talk to people. If you have, can go to a webinar and listen to um, a Black speaker, or just talk to a friend that's Black or a family member and just try to learn about some experiences other than your own. And as we celebrate Black History Month and all of the Black excellence that comes for it, comes from it, it's of course uh, good to remember 
the people that did pave the way for Black History Month, like uh, Carter Woodson and the establishment he created, and kind of the, the foundation that made this celebration even possible and acceptable. So happy Black History Month, guys, and we will see you soon for another episode of Documenting History. Bye. Bye.